Hello and welcome to the Modern Age Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Dyson, and I want to thank you for joining me. And for today, if you notice the title of the episode, we're going to be talking about the idea of separation of church and state and what the Bible says about the church's relation to government. So if you're unfamiliar with the origins, I know we throw around the term the separation of church and state quite regularly. You hear that thrown around in the political world. You hear it in the news media and everything else that all church and state are supposed to be separate. Well, I hate to break it to you, but the idea of church and state is not enshrined anywhere in the American government. That is actually something that Thomas Jefferson wrote in a letter But it was never enshrined in any law, any bill, anything like that whatsoever. There is no legal grounds or actual standpoint of a separation of church and state. The closest we get to that is the Bill of Rights in the First Amendment where we have the freedom of speech, freedom of expression, but also freedom of religion, freedom to practice any religion, any belief freely. So that is something that we have in the Constitution. So why do we have such a disagreement on the separation of church and state? Well, it comes from a lot of disagreement because people don't want government to become Christianized and people don't want the Christian faith to become politicized. So actually there's some kind of pros and cons to it on either side. I want to address what scripture says and then also give you just some food for thought to help you draw your own conclusions. I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is what you have to believe, this is what you have to do. I just want to give you scripture. I want to share my thoughts, how I view it. You can take that and see how that compares to you and pray about it and see what God wants you to do in your relationship towards government. So let's start off easy. Let's start off on some simple things. And I've got several passages of scripture. So I've got my tablet here. I'm going to be pulling those up and reading them for us here. So first up, let's quickly read 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, First of all then, I urge that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Now, I personally don't believe that Paul was writing and saying that Christians should be quiet, silent, sit on the sidelines and not do anything. I I don't agree with that. That's not what I glean from this passage of scripture. But rather the verse or the thought that I want to focus on is the idea of praying for those in power, praying for those that are kings or in authority or high positions. And I'm going to ask a very blunt question to get started. Do you pray for those who are in government authority over you, whether that is a king, a queen, a president, a governor, a senator, House of Representatives member, House of Parliament, I don't care what part of the country you're in, what government you are under, do you pray for those who are in authority over you? If not, I believe you're in violation of this scripture right here. We are instructed to pray for those who are in authority over us. 
That does not specify if you agree with them, pray for them. If you disagree with them, pray for them. It doesn't specify one or the other. I don't care if it was the president we had two presidents ago, the last president we had, the current president we have, who's the Speaker of the House, who's the Senate Majority Leader, Minority Leader. None of that matters. We should pray for them. Now, as a Christian, I'm going to frame it like this. You may disagree with them. You may look at their policies, what they stand for, and you say, they are not a Christian. They don't believe like I do. They are just completely just wild and crazy in their ideas. Then Maybe you need to pray for their salvation. Have you thought of it that way? That maybe it's you need to pray for them to come to the realization that they need a Lord and Savior, and He is the one that can change their heart and their mind. I think back to it a couple presidents ago, there were a lot of Christians that got very tense over a lot of his policies and things that were going on. And it was a struggle to some extent because I personally disagreed with the vast majority of the policies or a lot of the policies. And I'm not going to get into the politics of that in this instance. But what bothered me from a Christian perspective is how many were not praying for him. They were looking going, I disagree with him. I don't like him. I want him gone. He's not my president was becoming a common phrase. And people were just pushing that aside. But I saw very few Christians that were taking the time to actually pray for that person's soul. They did not take the time to pray and say, God, put Christians in their path, put spiritual advisors around them that can influence them. Lord, send a messenger to them that can show them their need of a savior. If you're not doing those things, I challenge you to start. You might say, well, what's the point? What what good does it do? If you have that type of mindset, then I challenge you, do you have faith in prayer? Because if you have faith that prayer can change things, you believe in the power of prayer, you should be praying for those who are in authority over you. Had to pause for a second and let some sirens pass, but we'll continue. The next passage of scripture that I want to point out to you is Acts chapter 5 verse 29 and this one is commonly used by Christians to disobey or not follow or disagree with things that government has done and this is Peter and other apostles that are appearing before religious leaders, political leaders, that type of thing of the time and they are telling them stop preaching Jesus, stop talking about Jesus, stop doing these things, just stop it and Peter answers and he simply gives the phrase we ought to obey God rather than men and I fully agree with Peter in his statement his boldness here that we ought to obey God rather than men and so the question is what we're doing for Christ does it truly contradict what the government is doing so here again in the United States We do have the First Amendment. We have the freedom of speech, freedom of religion. So if you were going out and praying, I think of instances where a coach prayed with, I believe it was a high school uh, team after their game, and the school fired that coach because of his religious display. But the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the coach because he was exercising his freedom of religion. So in that instance... There was a punishment that was handed down because he did not follow rules that were set of people who were in authority over over him. 
but it contradicted his spiritual beliefs, his Christian faith. He was obeying God rather than men, but ultimately he was protected under the First Amendment of the Constitution. So we do see instances like that where it starts to get kind of gray and a little muddied water, if you will, in that type of instance. So I do believe that there are a lot of instances like that where we can freely express our faith in Christ. We can pray, we can evangelize, we can do those things here in the United States without fear of repercussion, or if they do come, maybe there's the lawsuit, there's Christian legal organizations that can help, and those types of things. I do think that's important to recognize. At the same time, I know that's not the case in every country. I have listeners here on the podcast that are from other countries, and I'm not leaving you guys out by any means. I know that there's a lot of tension and more strict rules and things placed over you guys as far as what you can talk about, what you can share. I think there's a level that it does need to be tactful and you have to do it a little bit more strategically to speak about your faith and to share your faith. You don't want to lose the boldness. You don't want to lose that going out and sharing and evangelize and sharing the gospel with people because that's what we're commanded by God to do. But at the same time, you have to be a little cautious that maybe you don't go and do it in such a broad, open manner that gets you punished basically immediately. Because maybe it's you can share as things maybe in a more quiet way and you can share and witness to multiple people and you start to see the gospel spread and maybe you start to see government's hearts and minds changed rather than just going and preaching on a street corner obvious and people report you and call the police on you. You have to consider ways to do it that do impact more people and have power. More than anything, here's what I want you to do. Find what God wants you to do in that situation. Don't listen to me and just take my word for it. If God wants you to go preach on the street corner, then maybe you should obey God. Don't listen to what I'm saying. Go and obey what God wants you to do. But if God is not telling you to go and preach on the street corner and he's telling you to start a home church or he's telling you to disciple people one-on-one and to train people for Christ one-on-one, then you might want to go and do that instead. You might want to be careful with what you do so that you have the greatest impact for the gospel in the way that God wants you to have impact for the gospel. Here in the United States, we are very privileged to have the protections that we have and to go and be able to share as openly as what we do. That is truly a privilege that not every country has, and in truth, very few countries have. So we have to keep that in mind. So let's get to the last couple scriptures. These are a little bit longer passages, but this is going to be in relation to us as Christians towards government entities. So again, I started off with the separation of church and state. One thing you will actually find in the Bible is, or actually, let me correct, not find in the Bible is the separation of church and state. We actually don't find where Christians are told to not be involved in politics, but we're not really given any indication where we're supposed to Christianize politics. Actually, think back. If you're familiar with history, think to the Holy Roman Empire and the things that happened then. That was a government that became Christianized and started to go into extremes because of their viewpoints. And the government became a weapon where it was you aligned with the government's institution of a church or you were a heretic. 
Think back to the early reformers. We now have all the reformed denominations in the Christian faith. Think back to the Reformation. How many of those people, the early believers of the Reformation and trying to get back to the roots of God's word, were punished by a institution or kind of a government politicized type of church? I'm not saying that all people in that organization are bad, but we have to recognize the atrocities that did happen and the things that happened to a lot of people in times past that came from a government and religious system that was intertwined. But when we start to look at other scriptures, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. And Peter is writing and he says this. And again, keep in mind, I read the, the verse where Peter said earlier that we ought to obey God rather than men. And here's Peter later, he's writing and he says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil, and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor." There's a lot of instruction in just these few verses, so let's try to unpack this and talk about this for just a moment. I'm going to try to go through these verses and share just a few thoughts with you here. So he says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether that's emperor as supreme, government, governors as sent by him, and then it talks about to punish evil and praise those who do good. It's talking about law and order. So a good comparison for this for our modern day is the politicians, those who are in authority from a government standpoint, and those that they send to enforce those laws. It's police. That is law enforcement, federal agencies, those types of things. We have to have a level of respect for those. And I'm all for respecting the police and those that are in law enforcement, but also we have to respect those that are in political authority. And I'll share more scripture on that from Romans, from Paul's perspective here shortly. We have to consider that the early church was under a lot of oppression from government and religious people, but yet Peter is writing and he's saying be subject to them. It's essentially the idea of follow what they're setting forth as long as it doesn't contradict the word of God, as long as it doesn't prohibit your faith, but do align and live as good citizens under the law of these governments. We're supposed to, in uh, verse 15, it says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Have you ever noticed how when Christians get very big anti-government or anti-a certain thing, and instead of sharing what Christians stand for and why their way is and God's way is the beneficial and the higher path, where they start to get anti and demonizing and criticizing other people. Do you ever realize how that criticism and demonizing and putting down of other people is often met with the same criticism and demonizing and putting down of Christians? That's actually what this is dealing with. It's by living in a good, righteous manner, living in a way that's honoring for God, doing what God has called us, and living in a way that is faithful to our faith in Christ, that will put to silence those who are foolish, those who are confused, those who have different ideas. Don't get me wrong. There's still going to be arguments. There's still going to be disagreements. 
I'm not naive enough to believe that's not going to happen. But I fully believe that if we live in a way that is honoring to God, do what God has called us to, and live according to Scripture in a way that is loving, that is caring, that wants to reach out, wants to evangelize, wants to share the love of Christ, wants to see people's lives changed, people come to Christ, people believe, people accept Him, then we will have less criticism. And I'm not talking about criticism from those who are non-believers that's going to criticize the ways of Christ. I'm talking about those who are seeing it from a political standpoint that see Christians as just wanting to get political. They're going to see Christians as, no, they want to see positive change. They want to see the world improve. They want to see things for the better. Now, I'm not, again, naive enough to believe that there aren't those that are in different agendas that are still going to be critical because it differs and it disagrees with them. But I believe the way we go about sharing our faith, sharing our values, sharing the things that are important to us, that matters more than you realize. I think that if we're able to truly show people what we care about, that we're passionate about these things, and that we want to see the world change, we want to see positive, influential change, and people living lives that are honoring to God, I truly believe that is going to do far more than us arguing political issues. And I get very passionate about this type of thing because it frustrates me when Christians get so political, they lose their focus on Christ. That is the problem that I see in our modern church, and that's the reason I wanted to make this episode. We get so political that we miss out on sharing our values and the cause of Christ. We get so focused in on we have to push for this political agenda. We have to push for this political party or this political person. I don't care about a political person. I don't care about a political party. I care about God and God's values and what Christ has instructed us to do. There are political people and there are political parties that may align closer to that, and I will support them in that because they align with my faith and my values. But I am not going to sell myself out and fall in line to a political party or a political person and follow them blindly because, oh, they said they're a Christian, so I have to go follow them because they're a Christian. No. Do they line up with the Word of God? And can I support them in a good conscience? And likewise, if they contradict the Bible, then I can't support that. I can't go and align with somebody that directly contradicts the Word of God as a Christian. I will get convicted by the Holy Spirit saying you can't go and do that because it's not right. But when we look at what Peter writes, he says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So I'm afraid we have some Christians that don't follow this verse. We live in a spiritually free way. Christ has given us a lot of freedom through his forgiveness, through salvation. We can go, we can act in that freedom. We're supposed to share our faith. We're supposed to evangelize, all of those things. But there's a lot of times we take this freedom and we abuse it. We go and we look at people who are not Christian. They're not saved. They're living in sin. And we try to beat them over the head with the Bible and tell them they need to repent. Granted, we need to point out sin and we need to help share, but more importantly, we need to share the love of Christ and show people that they need a Savior to change their life and make their life more fulfilling. They need to have Christ and live for Him so that their life is meaningful, it's fulfilling, it's honoring to God, they're more happy, and they're connected to a church, and they can grow and go to heaven at the end of their life. 
I'm afraid too often as Christians, we focus on behavior modification. We want people to look like us, talk like us, act like us, rather than truly get a life change by meeting a Savior and meeting Christ. That's what matters more is pointing people out to Christ. You don't have to clean up your life and change everything to get saved. You get saved, and God will clean up the rest. He'll take care of the rest. But I'm afraid so often we are trying to politicize and legislate behavior modification to people that you need to change your entire lifestyle and then line up to us. Well, how about we go and share with them the love of Christ, what Christ has done for them, why it's important, why maybe their lifestyle differs from a Christian perspective and Christian worldview, and why God's way is better. Show them the love of Christ and use that to influence them towards God. We can't go and we can't beat people over the head with the Bible. At that point, we're becoming no better than the Pharisees of Jesus' day, where it's follow these rules, follow this book, follow these laws, follow all that we are telling you to do, and line up to us. The world's a wicked place. There are people that don't agree, and they've all throughout the Bible, there's people that are not believers and don't follow God. It's disappointing. It's discouraging. It's harmful. It's hurtful. It's something that's frustrating for us as Christians because we want everybody to believe. We want everybody to come to Christ. But we have to be a little more strategic where we can't be hostile. We can't be angry and, and getting combative. We can't go and win people to Christ in a fistfight as much as we would like to. And as much as we would like to beat people over the head with the Bible, that doesn't win people to Christ. We have to be focused that our motives are pure, that our intentions are pure, that we can point people to Christ in a way that shows them the love of God. In the last verse of this section in 1 Peter, it says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. That's a lot. You honor everyone or respect everyone, love the brotherhood, love your fellow believers, fear God, reverence have reverence towards God and honor the emperor or those that are in political power over you. That's a lot in those few verses. And that's hard for us to do because sometimes those things don't directly align. But I go back to it. Honor God, reverent fear of God, follow what he's commanded you to do and do everything you can to be respectful and honoring of the laws of the land. Again, if there are things that directly contradict the law and will violate your faith, you can't follow those. You can't do those. That's kind of a struggle. And we as Christians, we're torn because we're between two different worlds, essentially, in that way. But we have to be respectful. We have to be tactful in how we handle things. But we also have to be true to our faith in reaching out to others. So finally, we get to Romans. This is Paul that's dealing with Finally, we get to Romans, and this is Paul that's dealing with the church at Rome. And we know Rome, we have the Roman Empire, we have the Roman church that was started up, we have Catholicism that starts to come out of, of Rome, and everything going on. But Paul, when he writes his letter to the early church here at Rome, in chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, this is what Paul writes. He says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinances or ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. 
Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So there's, again, a lot in this. It goes back heavily to obeying the laws that are set before us as long as they do not contradict or prohibit our faith. An example of this is speed limits. Those are laws. Not committing crimes, stealing, committing murder, or harming some other person. Those are laws. We're supposed to obey those. And there are enforcers of that law, police, law enforcement, that uphold those things. We as Christians are to submit to those governing authorities, to submit to the laws that are there to protect us and to keep things in order. But, I mean, it even addresses taxes. We're to pay taxes to whom taxes are due. It's something that when you look at it and just kind of a high level to cover it, If the government is requiring taxes, you may disagree with it, but you as a citizen of whatever country you're in, we are to pay taxes to whom they're due. Jesus even said it, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, render to God the things that are God's. We see here, Paul is addressing it again, taxes uh, render therefore to all their taxes, or to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due. We're given this instruction to pay what is due to those that we have to pay it to. But even when you consider the tax dollars and to what that goes into, you may disagree and hate taxes. I don't like paying taxes. I would rather keep more of my money. But the Bible instructs me that I'm to pay taxes to whom they are due. Why is that? Well, the law enforcement, those that keep us safe, public servants, EMS, first responders, firefighters, the military, all of that is funded from taxpayer money. So if I start to refuse to pay my taxes, but I say I support law enforcement and I support first responders, I support EMS, I support firefighters, I support military and military salaries, I support teacher pay, any of those things, but I refuse to pay taxes or I try to avoid and evade taxes, then I'm a hypocrite and I'm not following scripture. It's as simple as that. But we have to submit, we have to be respectful of the laws and the things that are there. So again, going back to the argument I made when we started off, very very beginning of this episode, the separation of church and state. It truly does not exist in the United States government. It was written by Thomas Jefferson in a letter. But we also really don't have the separation of church and state in the Bible but rather Christians are instructed to submit to governing authorities, that they are appointed by God, they are set in place by God, but there's also no uh, prohibition from Christians getting involved in public service or serving in politics. And likewise, if you're a Christian and you go into politics or you become a public servant in any way, your Christian values 
what you stand for, what you believe will come out in your work. People may disagree with that, but when your values, your core values, what you stand on, what you believe, the way you live your life, the constituents in your area or the constituents of those politicians they go and represent them, if they hold those core values and those core beliefs, they have to stand for or should stand for what those core beliefs and core values are because that's what's expected of them. They're going to represent people. But likewise, we have to submit and follow their lead because they're in governing authority over us. So it's a very mixed bag type of issue. And there's so much gray area for us as Christians because we're supposed to submit. We're supposed to follow authority. We're supposed to respect and trust these governing authorities because according to scripture, they're appointed by God. We're supposed to pray for them. We're supposed to try to encourage and pray and and point them to the Lord. But at the same time, we do fear the contradictions where what if they prohibit? What if they limit us in the cause for Christ? So some final thoughts. Think back to the early church. There were a lot that disagreed with the governing authorities. They followed it as best they could. They followed the laws. They obeyed what was set before them. But when it come to their faith, they stay true to their faith and what God had called them to do. Ultimately, for the early church, that cost many of them their lives. They ended up being Christian martyrs because the government that they were under did not allow them to share their faith. But as a Christian, we are called to share our faith. So it's something where there is what seems like a contradiction, but I don't believe it is. I believe that the laws and what we're supposed to do as Christians, we're supposed to be respectful. We're supposed to obey laws as long as they do not contradict the word of God. We're supposed to share our faith openly and as much as we can. But we're also to support those that are in government and authority. They may contradict, they may not align with us, but that's where we support them by prayer. And we support by trying to pray that they come to the realization they need a savior. So there's a lot in this. And I hope you've enjoyed kind of my thoughts, my interpretation of these scriptures, how I view them. I do believe that there's a level that Christians need to be respectful of government. And we're not supposed to be anarchists and overthrowing the government. I don't believe that's anywhere in scripture. We are called to be faithful servants of Jesus Christ. And we're supposed to submit to authority, submit to the governance of those over us. That can be very complicated. That can be very complex of an issue, as you can see from this episode. But I challenge you, be true to your faith. Trust in God. Do what He has called you to do. And then align as closely as you can to the laws and what is set before you in government. Obey the laws as best you can and obey God more than anything. If we do those things, I believe that we can truly be a Christian group of people that shows what it is to be genuine Christians, good citizens of our country, good Christian followers. We're supposed to be good stewards of what God has given to us. And we can start to show people what it is to be true, genuine Christians in this modern age. I hope you enjoyed this. Feel free to rewind, go back, and find sections, listen to my thoughts again, because there's a ton of information. 
There's a ton I tried to share in this podcast. It's a longer podcast than I normally put out there, but I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you join me again in a couple weeks for another episode of the Modern Age Christian Podcast. Mm-hmm.